So a couple things. So first of all, I wanted to mention last week, I mentioned a psak that I wasn't so thrilled about. And that was that if the third aliyah, the last aliyah, either on Shabbos or Bishvi, or uh, on weekday, on Monday, Thursday, it would be uh, it would be Shlishi. If that person has to bench Gomel, when does he do it? Does he do it before Kaddish or after Kaddish? Now I said, I would assume after Kaddish. Kaddish let finish the laning, Kaddish, put a bow on laning, and then bench Gomel. But I mentioned that there was a Sefer Eishel Avram that's quoted, they quote the Eishel Avram, that you could do it before Kaddish, which I thought was very strange. So I was looking for a source, I was asking around, and I mentioned in the Shir, if anyone has a source, please let me know. So Baruch Hashem, Mr. Lorch, sent me that the Ishe Yisrael, he brings down that Kosavli Hagoyin Ruchayim Kenevsky Zatzal, they asked Ruchayim, Im Olu L'Tayr B'mei Beis V'Hei V'Shlishi V'Shabiz, Yochel Baruch Hagoyim L'Av Kaidim Chatzi Kaddish. You could do it before. Not that you should, you could. So the answer, like most things, is you do whichever one you want, you're going to be fun. You could, you don't have to, but you could. Okay, so a couple of things I wanted to mention. Let me, let me touch on this one first. Um, this will probably affect the men more. Um, I don't know if you guys ever notice, uh, there's a, like, I think it's a more of a stranger concept called Hecha Kedusha. Okay, Hecha Kedusha, that's the way they call it, half, half Kedusha. Um, the concept basically is you start davening at a minion, and instead of the chazan, everyone silently davening Shmon Esrei and the chazan repeating himself, the chazan sort of just starts it out loud. He goes up to Kedusha. They all say Kedusha together, and then everyone starts. It's a beta way, and, and then there's no Chazar Zashatz. There's no, it's basically truncating Chazar Zashatz to about a third of it. So, this was, strangely enough, a very common custom in yeshivas. In yeshivas, historically, this was a common custom. And I've been at Minyanim, especially when you're, you know, you're traveling, you're at a baseball game, and not me, I don't go to baseball, but like you're at a baseball game and they want to dive and they'll say, let's do Hecha Kedusha, Hecha Kedusha. They'll always say, there's always that guy who's in a rush, who's like, let's just do Hecha Kedusha. So I'll tell you like this. What's the pshat? Why, why, what's the Indian of Hecha Kedusha? And why is it that it's only by Mincha and it was historically done by yeshivas? And is it okay to do it outside of yeshivas? Short answer, no. I, I, I don't believe it's appropriate at all. The only time the Paiskim advise doing it is if it's so late and you're running so late that it's mamish around Seisach and you don't have time, you, you, you know, you're dealing with minutes, you don't have time to repeat Chazar Shashatz. You just don't have time. In such a scenario, okay, fine, shine. But to do it because you're in a rush, no, absolutely not. I, I don't believe it's appropriate. Rav, the, Rav, the Shulchan Aruch wrote very strong things about people that do not take Chazar Sashat seriously. It's not something that's appropriate. So the question is, so what, what, what is it? Why was it ever used? So strangely enough, it was done in yeshivas. Now, what's the reason why it was done in yeshivas? So some people think that the reason it was done by yeshivas, historic, I think Lakewood, I don't know if Lakewood still does it. I, I've never been to, I haven't been to Lakewood like once for a wedding. I don't know. Someone write in. Yeah, so someone write in, let me know if they do it in Lakewood. I don't know. But they used to do it in Europe. In the European yeshivas, they used to do it. So people think it's because of Bittel Torah. Bittel Torah. But that's, uh, so Rav Yaakov, they asked Rav Yaakov, Rav Neustadt, who's, a, who's an anical of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, he brings down in his Sefer weekly halachic discussions, I think it's in, it's volume uh, one, 
it's page two something in the 200s, in the back in the Hebrew. He says that they asked Rav Yaakov, that's the Rav Yaakov said, people say it's Bittal Tari. He says, that's ridiculous. It's not Bittal Tari. First of all, Yeshiva's davening shachris is like an hour and a half. Like they daven slow. Like they're, and Bittal Tari, whatever. They, 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 they. So what's the pshat? See, he says like this. It's an interesting lamdis. And you'll see how according to Rav Yaakov, it cannot be applied outside of Yeshiva's. He says the truth is, the reason why they did it, what's the whole Indian of Chazar Sashatz? The whole Indian of Chazar Sashatz, right? We all daven Shmonas very quietly, and then one person gets up and says it out loud. Why are they saying it out loud? So historically, people did not know how to daven. So that person was being mitzi, all the people in the shul that were amaratzim, that were not learned. Yeshivas always had learned people. Therefore, Rav Yaakov says, the cheshben is, they never instituted Chazar Sashatz in Yeshivas. Now, why do they not do it by Shacharis? Because I'll tell you why. If you do Hecha Kedusha by Shacharis, you'll never say Birchus Kehanim. You have to say Chazar Shashas just to get to Birchus Kehanim, either whether Kehanim was Svardim or not Svardim. At least we could say Yivarecha Shami Yishmarecha. So the re- that's why they can't do it ashore. But really, there's no, Kedush- there's no Indian of Chazar Shashas in Yeshivas. That's what Yaakov said. And that's why in Kelm, they, only, they, didn't, they did Hecha Kedusha. That's what Yaakov Kamenesky said. According to that Svara, I would not apply it outside of Yeshivas. So it's something that you'll be careful with, especially at the end of the summer. People are traveling and they'll get a meeting together and they'll be like, oh no, hecha kedusha, hecha kedusha. That's usually done because people are not interested in giving a few minutes. And uh, they're usually on vacation and they could give a few minutes uh, Baruch Hu. Usually when they're pushing hecha kedusha, their chazar shashatz is not very long anyway. But according to this svara of Yaakov Kamenetsky, I don't know if it would be even halachically permissible to do it outside of yeshivas. Probably not. When you need chazar shashatz, you need chazar shashatz. I wouldn't do it outside of that venue. And I was at a situation where someone was pushing, and I said, won't you dive in regular? And they were very annoyed at me, and I'm okay, whatever. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do what's right. Okay. That was... No, Tzfil B'tzibar you have because 10 people are davening together. They're all 10 people davening together. The Tzfil B'tzibar you have, and you have because the 10 people present, they could say Kedusha together. You just don't have full Chazar Shashatz. You, you, people would just get together in a room and start, and start davening Shemana Esrei. It would be, Kaddish, it would be, it would be a, it would be a Tzfil B'tzibar, it would be a Tzfil B'tzibar, but a very lost opportunity. Um, without Kedusha. So, okay. So, it's more probably hashkafic than halachic, but I'll say this. The only time where I think legitimately you probably should not be davening with a minion is on the plane. I think on the plane, uh, Rav Yaakov was makhbed to daven in his seat because he said it bothers the other people on the plane and it bothers the stewards. And So I, I personally don't daven uh, with a minion on the plane because whatever. In the airport, uh, you know, the, the chassid in me, uh, the, the, the litvak who's you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but the truth is, it's, it's a free, you're allowed to daven in the corner, you're not bothering anybody. It feels a little funny because uh, I don't know if that's coming from a great place. As the, you know, the Lubavitcher used to say, America, nit andrish. America is no different. You could daven, you know, you're allowed, we're allowed to daven, and we shouldn't be embarrassed. But that's more of a hashkafic thing than a halachic thing, but there's no halachic problem with davening in an airport. Of course not. You have, everyone's sitting around and you got no problem. On a plane, Rav Yaakov was makbid to do it sitting down because he did not want to bother those on the plane. He felt that your obligation for a minion does not override their, uh, their, uh, their being bothered. So I think that that's definitely something to take into consideration. Um, Rav Yaakov, yeah, you could have, and if you can't stand up, first of all, also, I believe he sat down, I think, Pashtus also because 
uh, in case there was turbulence, if you're not going to have Kavana standing. So he sat. He also didn't want to bother people. So yeah, you sit down, you could sit down. If you can't stand, you can't stand. Uh, okay, now the next topic, I might have spoken about this before. I, I want to clarify. It'll take two minutes just to run through the categories. Uh, it's very important to know these. You've got to know them. Um, and that's refuah on Shabbos. Um, it seems daunting. Like, what do you do with medicine on Shabbos? But there's a, it's pretty simple. If actually you could clarify, you could basically summarize it. There's three categories. Historically, amongst the postgame, there were four. But one category doesn't really apply medically anymore. Um, there's basically three categories. Okay? There's life-threatening situation. Chola sheyesh bo sakana. That's category number one. There's category number two, which is you're not life-threatening, but you're ill. You have the flu. You're in bed. You're sick. That's a chola she'ein bo sakana. You're not, you're not dying, but you're, you're sick. And then there's michush balma. Michush balma means you're in a little pain. You're fine. You have chapped hands. Your lips are bothering you. You have a little headache, but it's not a migraine. It's michush balma. Okay. There technically was a fourth category amongst the Paiskin called Sakonas Ever, which is that you're not dying, but you might lose the loss of a limb. But if you speak to doctors nowadays, they'll basically tell you that if you have an injury that you might lose the limb, it's pikuach nefesh. Nowadays, if God forbid your arm is, is cut off, that there's so many arteries that it, it's pikuach nefesh. So that category is not much applied. So let me just walk you through of what you can do under each category, and then it's pretty simple. Then you just put it, you know, let's go with, um, let's go with the, 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 the easiest to the, you know, the hardest. Pikuach uh, nefesh, okay? If you're in a life-threatening situation, now you have to know what's defined as life-threatening. There are svarim that actually go through all the illnesses. But uh, you speak to, you know, as an adult, you sort of know, I could tell you, uh, practical halacha, the place can say one common application is if someone passes out, that's pikuach nefesh. A healthy person should not be passing out. A passed out person is pikuach nefesh. Fine, but again, each one to their own. If it's pikuach nefesh, you are mechal Shabbos. You desecrate Shabbos to get the guy to the hospital. No question. Now, no, so, so, oh, no, no, no difference. Every Jew, all Jews are the same in this regard. Oh, so I'll get to that in one second. This is just to get them to the hospital. I'm talking about getting in the car, you get into the hospital. So, um, you also go with a Jew. You don't go with a guy, because every second counts. And will be more makbid on pikuach nefesh. Practically, I could tell you, you call Hatzal. Don't drive it yourself. They'll, they got the lights, they got the... You call Hatzal. It's easy, you call Hatzal. Now, under most circumstances... If it's pikuach nefesh, I will say this. There's, okay, let me get to your point in one second. There is one exception to pikuach nefesh, and that is you have a scenario where it's life-threatening, but you don't get a Jew to do it, and that's labor. A woman going into labor is a weird thing because she is a chola sheyesh bosakana. She is in a life-threatening situation, but she has time. It's very rare that someone is in a life-threatening situation that they have to get to the hospital, but they usually but they have time. Usually, God forbid, someone has a heart attack, stroke, you know, it's, you got to go. Someone, a woman going into labor could take 20 hours. Now, I will say this. So let's say a woman goes into labor. So it's technically a chola sheyesh sakana, but she has time. Now, I will say this. If she has no time, there are times where I've told this to many husbands when their wives are due, if you feel like there's something wrong, if you feel like this, this is not good, you call Hatzalah right away. I don't care that it's, it, you, you know, or you get in the car. 
if you if you even can't call it all. But most labors, it's a chola sheyesh sakana, but you have time. So what you do is you get a guy. Practically, you call an Uber and have a guy take you to the hospital. You usually have time. Now, your shayla, yeah, oh, so your shayla is, who can go with the woman? Now, so th- this is the psak. The Shulchan Aruch brings down that a wife is allowed to have her husband go with her. Why? Because it causes her yishav hadas. We want a chola to be calm and to, and, to, and to feel comfortable. And if she wants her husband with her, she can. Now, let's say she wants someone else other than her husband. Now, okay, let's <laughs> say so it's not calming her. And she wants, so I've had a couple times where they want their mother to go with them. You ask a shayla, I'm not going to tell you it's mutter or not. I'll just say you ask a shayla. And many times Rabbanim will be lenient if they need the mother and, and she's panicking. Then they'll also be lenient. Now I'm afraid to give a heter because then you'll have some family, they'll have the whole mishpacha drive on Shabbos. If other not, but, but conceptually, but that's a chayla sheyesh by sakana. So it's pretty simple. Oh, so then now you go the op- well, no, I mean, it would be the same thing. Anytime a person is dying and they need someone with them to calm them, they can go. Now, yeah, that, that's the basic fact. Again, details of this, you have to, each situation might be a little different. That's a chayla sheyesh by sakana. The opposite extreme, that where everything's motor, basically. Then you have the opposite extreme, which is called michush ba'alma. Michush ba'alma is not where you want to be when it comes to Shabbos. Because rabbinically, it's counterintuitive, but rabbinically, Chazal forbade medicine to be, to be administered on Shabbos for people that are not real cholim, because they were afraid you might come to grind. Medicine historically involved grinding up roots, so Chazal were actually strict that you're not allowed to administer medicine for someone who is just a michosh ba'alma. So if you're a michosh ba'alma, you can't take pills, you can't get a guy to do something for you, you basically there's nothing that's permitted. So that's amichosh ba'alma. Now amichosh ba'alma means that you're in pain, but it's not affecting your entire functionality. I'm in pain, but I'm still talking, I'm still fine, I'm not in bed. So my lips are chapped, my hands are chapped, I'm in pain, but I'm fine. That's called michosh ba'alma. That's not where you want to be either. The most categories where you're going to get heterim is called a chayla she'en sakana. A chayla she'en sakana means that you're sick, you're not dying, but you'd be going to bed. Your whole body is affected. You would go to bed if it helps. Sometimes going to bed doesn't help, right? If someone has a really bad back and lying down also causes him pain, then he's not going to go to bed. But if he would, if it would help, he would. So anytime you're debilitating to that extent, that's called a chayla she'en basakana. What is permitted for a chayla she'en basakana? Three things are permitted for a chayla she'en basakana. You're allowed to take medicine. You're allowed to take pills. So if someone has a migraine, you could take medication. Number two, you're allowed to have a guy do something for you. Anything that would help medicinally. Obviously, you can't just have a guy stam, but if you need something from the guy, the guy can do it for you. So if someone is a chayla she'en besakana, and let's say in extreme case, he needs excedrin because he has a migraine. There's no excedrin in the house. He could have a guy drive to the store and get him excedrin. The third, or a lot of times if someone's in the hospital, they're a chayla she'en besakana, so the guy can adjust the bed for them. The guy can do all these things. The third category that a chayla shem besakana, what's permitted, is a chayla shem besakana, you can take medicine, you could have a guy do something for you, or you could have a Jew do a rabbinic prohibition with a shinoi. A Jew is allowed to do a rabbinic prohibition with a shinoi. So, again, you have to know all the scenarios. 
You have to know all the situations. But that's called the Chedeshe Mesakana. And I'll tell you one, two more points, then I want to go right there. I'm going to happily take questions at the end. Two more points about a Chedeshe Mesakana. Zekenim, elderly, are considered a Chedeshe Mesakana, and children are considered a Chedeshe Mesakana. So if you have a child, what age? Rabbi Olbam has a tshuva where he goes through, definitely to the age of three for sure. Pasha's to up to six. Six to nine is debatable. Nine, probably not. But they probably have a status of a chayil shem b'sakana. So what does that mean? It means that if, uh, you know, let's say the light, the, this is the example they used to give, the light went out in the house and they're afraid of the dark, so they're a chayil and it's affecting them, so you're allowed to get a guy to turn the light on for them. Again, that would be one example. But those are the basic three categories of medicine. And again, whenever things happen, you plug it in. But you have michosh ba'alma, chayil shem b'sakana, and a chayil shayesh b'sakana. Okay, let's go weiter. Again, I'm happy to, I'll run through this, and then I'm happy to take questions at the end. Uh, the third one is women by Havdalah. So l- let me explain, because this I get asked a lot about. L- let me explain. Sure. So the next category is women in Havdalah. So let me, let me explain. The Shulchan Aruch brings down, it's a machleikas rishonim, whether women are obligated to say Havdalah. What was, what's the machleikas about? The machleikas is like this. We know that although women are exempt from time-bound mitzvahs, they're obligated to keep to say Kiddush. Why are they obligated to say Kiddush? As the same obligation as I am, a woman is obligated to say Kiddush. But why? It's time-bound. The answer is, although it's time-bound, Zohar V'shamer B'dibar Nemru, Zohar means that for all things related to Shabbos, men and women are the same. The question is, what is Havdalah? Is Havdalah a Shabbos halacha? Is it a halacha that's related to Shabbos? Or is Havdalah the first halacha of the weekday? So it's a question, is, is, Shab, is Havdalah part of the laws of Shabbos that women are obligated or not? It's a machloikas. How do we paskin? Here's how we paskin. We paskin that because it's a machloikas, men, you should, women should hear Havdalah. However, a woman should not make her own Havdalah for herself. A man should make it for her. Because it's possible they're not obligated. Why should they make it and make a brachal of Havdalah? A man should be moitzi them. However, if the man has already heard Havdalah himself, so he would only be repeating it to be mighty others, which is allowed, but since there's a chance they're not obligated, they should do it themselves. So in general, a man should be mighty the woman, unless the man was already yotze, in which case she should do it herself. Now, if she's not comfortable doing it herself and she refuses, okay, so then you could do it for her. But that's the basic psak. Now, there's an interesting sheet of the Bir Alacha. The Bir Alacha writes that even, this is his opinion, the Mishabura holds that even if you hold that women are obligated in Havdalah, but Lekuli Alma, he says, according to him, everyone would agree they are not obligated in Bore Mori Ha'esh. And they should not say Bore Mori Ha'esh. And that's the Psaq of the Mishabura. Why? Because he says the whole reason to obligate them in Havdalah is that part of Shabbos is saying goodbye. Right? Part of honoring Shabbos is you say hello in the beginning and you say goodbye at the end. Bore Mori Ha'esh has nothing to do with Havdalah. Why do we say Bore Mori Ha'esh during Havdalah? Because Adam Arishin, at the end of Shabbos, it got very dark and he was scared because he thought he was dying. So Hashem gave him chachma that he broke two rocks together and made a fire. So we commemorate that by doing it on, on Saturday night, so we put it into Avdallah. But it's not a, has no shaykh as saying goodbye to Shabbos. That's the Mishaburah says. Everyone agrees women should not be saying Barimir Esh. So according to him, if a woman is saying Barimir Avdallah, do not say Barimir Esh. Or if a man is mighty, do not say Barimir Esh. Now, the problem is we all know that's not what people do. Everybody just says Avdallah for women and they say the whole Avdallah. So the truth is, Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach, and Rav Adi Yosef disagree. They say, no, once it's part of Avdallah, it's part of Avdallah. And therefore, women are obligated in the same regarding Barim So 
there is one last aspect of this is the basic nutshell of women in Havdalah but I will say this is one other aspect to, to remember and that is there's an old minig which I've mentioned in the past there's an old minig brought down by the Magen Avram for women not to drink the Havdalah wine it's an old minig you're talking about four or five hundred years they do not drink the Havdalah wine it's an old minig now why that is there is a hashkafic reason and a halachic reason the hashkafic reason is from the shla. The shla brings down that we know that the whole reason why Shabbos ends and there's a concept of Havdalah is because of the sin of the Eitz The sin of the Eitz was Chava. Chava was the one who instigated Adam. What was the sin according to the Zayar? It was wine. So because she sinned over wine and brought Havdalah into the world, as a tikkun, she doesn't touch it. That's what the shla says. There's a halachic reason brought down from Rav Issa Zalman Meltzer. Rav Issa Zalman in Evan Ozel, he says a different svar. He's a lamdish svar. He says like this, if there's a chance that women are not obligated in Havdalah, yeah, that means that when they say, what's Havdalah? You say, there's a possibility women are not obligated in Havdalah, which means that brach is a hefsik. So how could they drink the wine? So if they're not obligated in Havdalah, so they made bar priyagofen, they have wine Saturday night, they could have wine. The problem is if they're not obligated in Havdalah, that brach is a hefsik. So they shouldn't drink it because it might be a hefsik between their bracha if they're not obligated. That's what Mrs. Alman told her. It's brought down by the Hartzvi. Now, the reason why that's a strange shita, strange, I mean, hard to understand, is because even if you say that there's a possibility they're not obligated, but to say that the bracha of Avdala is a hefsik to the point where they can't drink the wine, that's, a, that's a interesting. I will say this, though. The minig obviously, is regardless, they don't drink the wine. And Shemir uh, Shabbos Kilchasen has an interesting point. He says that the whole reason, the accepted reason, is because of the Eitz reason. He says if that's the case, then if they're making Havdalan beer, they should be able to drink it. Right? It's the wine thing. Okay, but the minig is not to, they don't drink wine. I will say this, though, and that, that is the minig, and people should be careful about it. But, and that's another reason why women should not make their own Havdalah. They should have a man be mighty to them. But, if they're making their own Havdalah, they obviously have to drink the wine. This whole minig is a very nice thing, but... If you make a bracha, you have to drink the wine or else the bracha levatala. So obviously, if they're actually making their own havdalah, they have to drink it. There's no question about that. But without that, there is a minig not to drink it. That, that minig does not extend to any other kaishal bracha. It's dafka, a minig not to drink from havdalah. Other kaishal brachas, kiddush Friday night, kiddush Shabbos day, it's a nice thing for them to drink a kaishal bracha. Is obviously a very important thing. Now, just to cu- touch on... Um, two more topics very quickly one is I mentioned Friday night just to clarify just because a lot of people don't know and I mentioned Friday night so I like to have it recorded uh, the Shulchan Aruch brings down in Hilchas Mezuzah that for a room to be obligated in Mezuzah it has to be 4 by 4 Amis 4 by 4 Amis is 16 feet if the room is not 16 feet there's no obligation for a Mezuzah now that would mean walk-in closets that would mean boiler rooms laundry rooms usually unless you have a very big house they're not 16 feet and therefore, they're not Daladamas by Daladamas, and therefore you are not obligated to mezuzah. However, there's a very famous sheet of the Chamud Daniel. The Chamud Daniel says that the whole reason why a room is not obligated, if it's less than Dalad al Dalad, why is it that if a room is less than Dalad al Dalad, it doesn't, you don't put a mezuzah? Why? Because a room is meant to be living in. You live in a room. Less than four before, you can't live. It's too small. Yeah. But says the Chamud Daniel, nowadays we have rooms that have functions that are fully functional as their purpose, less than four by four. A walk-in closet is a fully functioning walk-in closet, less than Dalit al Dalit. If I was, yes, if I went, if, I'm, if it was meant to live in the walk-in closet, it would not be functional. But its functionality 
a laundry room's functionality is doing laundry. You could do it in less than dollar a dollar. So says the Daniel, if you have a room that has a function, and its function does not need dollar al dollar, it is required to put up a mezuzah. So the Shulchan Aruch says no. The Chamud Daniel sort of redefines the Shulchan Aruch and says yes. How do we paskin? So I mentioned Friday night. Most things that are related to mezuzah is a machloikas, and the psak is you put it up without a bracha. I'll give you another example. Right? You have a doorway that has no door, an archway that has no door. Do you put up a mezuzah or not? So it's a machlekes erishayim. Some say yes, some say no. How do we paskin? No bracha. If you're putting up a mezuzah in a door without a door, it's no bracha. It's the same thing over here. One more shaila I'll mention. Um, do you put up a mezuzah in an office? So you'll say, well, why not? I mean, I'm there all day. It has my computers. It's got my stuff. So the Shulchan Aruch, I just I happen to have it out. The Shulchan Aruch writes. The Shulchan Aruch says he's listing things that are exempt. He says, Sukkah sachag b'chag, the sukkah, on sukkah, so you don't put up mezuzah, obviously. Habayi besvina, if you have a houseboat, so you put up a little hut, on not, not like a yacht, you put up a little hut on a boat, no mezuzah. Hachanuyah shebeshukim, or if you have a little hut in the marketplace, you know, go into the shuk, they have those little, uh, you know, those little booths. A booth is potter. Why is a booth potter? Says the Taz, because you don't sleep there. According to the Taz, offices are exempt, because you don't sleep there. The Pischei Tshuva, however, brings down, he brings down over here from the Yad HaKatana. The Yad HaKatana doesn't understand. He says, even if you don't sleep there, but it has your stuff. It has all your stuff there, right? Sometimes you have a house, you don't sleep in the house, but it has all your stuff. You put up with a bracha as well. So in office, even if, I don't understand, why wouldn't you put it up? So he says, you do put it up in an office. I, the Shulchan Aruch, says no. He says, you know what the Shulchan Aruch is talking about? You ever been to a fair or a, a, like a pop-up uh, market? It, it like it's like a tent. It's not a real. It's not a real office. It's it's like a pop up. It's meant for a couple days. Like you have a, a fair where they pop up. It's mamish a pop up booth. After three days, it's dismantled. That's when you're exempt. But if you have a full office, you should put it up. How do we paskin? It's a machlekes. No bracha. We put up on offices without a bracha. If there are goyim that share it, you have to ask a shayla because um, uh, generally we do not put up a mezuzah when it's an area that's owned or lease to Goyim, if it's an area that has co-Jew and Goyim working together, you have to ask a Shaila, it also depends on whether they'll be respectful, if there's a chance that they'll tear it down, you do not put it up most times, they're respectful, but you have to, uh, you have to sort of analyze that. Um, I'll just mention one last Shaila, and then we'll end with this. One last Shaila is, I, this came up recently, the Shulchan Aruch brings down, someone asked me, is it a problem to put a, uh, a Tehillim on top of a Chumash? Or, you know, a nach on top of a taira, or a gemara on top of a chumash, a sitter on top of a chumash, all these things. What's the order? So, I'll tell you like this. The Shulchan Aruch brings down, you're not allowed to put anything on top of a chumash. Chumash is the highest level of holiness. Everything else is below. So, you're not allowed to put a sitter on top of a chumash. Practically, I'll tell you like this. The sheet of the Aruch HaShulchan. The Aruch HaShulchan brings down, and I've mentioned this in the past, the Aruch HaShulchan brings down, that that was only true when they were handwritten. When you have a handwritten scroll... A chumish is more holy than a navi, and a navi is more holy than a siddur, and a siddur is more holy than a gemara, and v'chule, v'chule. But he says, nowadays that they're printed, all svarim have the same level of holiness, and that is a level 10. They're all the same. There's no level of kedusha. There's no difference between this and that and this and that. They're all the same. They're printed anyway. They have the kedusha svarim. They don't have a kedusha sefer anyway. So therefore, he says, they're all the same. So that's the Archa Shulchan. Rosh used to say that while it's good to be machmer, you have the Aruch HaShulchan to rely on. So practical halacha is it, it's not good to put something on top of a chomish. But if someone would, I would not uh, stop them or rebuke them because they definitely have what to rely on. I will stop here.
That's a good point. I wanted to mention also, someone asked me, what's the Indian of putting the Havdalah on your eyes? That is, okay, so I'll tell you like this. That is not made up. That is from the Ramah. The Ramah says, to show Chavivas HaMitzvah, to show how excited and precious the mitzvah is to us, he says, that you take the wine and you wash your eyes with it. I don't know if to point, so I'll tell you, how do you do it? You watch Gedolim, right? That's how you know how to do anything. You watch Gedolim. I saw Rechaim Kanievsky. I mean, he was older, but Rechaim Kanievsky, he put his mamish hands, and he, like this, mamish put his eyes, he covered his eyes, mamish with wine. And one last point about that. So I used to be, I'm still cynical, but I try to be less cynical. I used to make fun of the people that put it on the ear, the payas, and the pockets. And I was like, oh, you know. And then I watched... I saw it, Ravich Amaya Morgenstern, who's a big tzaddik, a big mekubal, he put it by his pace, and he put it by his pockets. So, oh no, after that, after the eyes, he did the pace, and he did the pockets. So, if he did it, because I used to say, like, oh, if people want to get wealthy, blah, blah. you know what, if Ravich Amaya does something, there is a source, I could tell you that. I don't, I'm not saying you should do it, but I probably learned not to make fun, that, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely the message for me.